Oh, we get to bring back a friend of the shift to chat about new writings, new musings, and new uh, research. Lots of research. The one thing I've learned about William, there's a lot of research that goes on. You might remember William. He came on. He chatted with us about his writing, about the Titanic, and all that inside information and all the things that we chatted about. It was so fascinating. And um, and now we're we're kind of in the same era. We're going fast forward just a little bit in time to, well, it was this beautiful uh, era post-war where a lot of things changed, but things also got filthy. <laughs> and they, at the time, it was a fun filthy, but it, things got filthy. Uh, William Hazelgrove, author, is here. William, it's great to see you. Thanks for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. Um, you've got some, you got some new writing. Hey, the great Gatsby. We fast forward to, uh, isn't it? It's based on about 1922, but at the same time, uh, it was originally written in 1925. What drew you to look into this book? Um, you know, I actually read a biography on Dickens and this woman wrote this great biography about how he wrote the Christmas Carol. And so I got really intrigued about that. And my thought was, you know, is there another great book that we all know with a story behind it that we don't know? And so I came to The Great Gatsby, and that's how I came up with, you know, the book, Writing Gatsby, the real story of the writing of the greatest American novel. Yeah. So, I mean, you have me, you have me on the edge of my seat, William. Uh, what is, <laughs> yes. what is the real, well, let's well, talk about, yes. let's talk about the, let's talk about the, the fiction story first and the basis of the fiction story, because not everybody knows sure. the great Gatsby and some people might only remember it from a long time ago in school kind of thing. So what is the basis, the basics of the great Gatsby? Okay. Uh, the great Gatsby is actually this bootlegger on Long Island, uh, during the roaring twenties who basically has, this dream of getting this golden girl, Daisy Buchanan, who's this very wealthy woman and has married Tom Buchanan. Uh, so he does, they have an affair and then Tom Buchanan uh, finds out about the affair. And then through a series of, of coincidences, uh, Gatsby's murdered by a man who, who is the husband of a woman that Tom Buchanan's having an affair with named Murder Wilson. So, so, you know, this little tawdry tale of a bootlegger becomes really the summation of the American dream. And and really the story and the way that becomes that is the basis of writing Gatsby. Now, at this era, we've seen the Titanic. We've seen this massive migration to the United States, this chase the dream, the American dream. Um, right. And not to mention the war was a lot closer over in England, right? So that made things change, too. Then capitalism, all of the growth, all of the things, the Spanish flu had sort of, um, you know, that was kind of finished in the background right and everybody was like this is amazing we're going to i'm gonna i'm gonna make it all happen now it turned into uh you know sort of the flapper dance and the flapper style the the jazz really took over uh musicians became massive celebrities and uh the bars I mean, the mobsters in the bars took over in a massive right. way, which made for this sort of hedonistic uh, love affair nightlife thing for the first time that we'd ever seen. And and this is really the core of the era when this all started. That's right. And so Fitzgerald is there uh, for this. He, he publishes a novel in 1920 that becomes a, an instant bestseller called This Side of Paradise. He marries Zelda, a Southern belle. 
So here's the fascinating. They are on the cusp of what is really going to become this incredible decade of just and the ultimate party, but also there's no youth culture up to now. So now they are really the first sort of pilgrims, if you will, of this emerging youth culture. Because in America, after the Civil War, people started to migrate to the city. So Manhattan is the first sort of test tube of this. And, and Fitzgerald has these lavish parties, and he, you know, all these people from New York come out to them. And so, you know, he's sort of the toast of the town. And so he's able to take in all of this. He's written two books uh, up to now. And he wants to get a third going, but he can't get going He because of all these parties. And, and let's get it out there. Fitzgerald's an alcoholic. And, and so he decides in 1924 he's going to go to Europe, to the south of France, to the Riviera. He stakes himself about $7,000 to go write his epic third novel. It's a fair chunk of change back then. Oh, yeah. No, it was. And, you know, he... He made his money not by his novels, but at this time there is these things called the slicks, which was the Saturday Evening Post mostly, and you could write a short story for them as a writer and get four thousand dollars for it. So he was making incredible money off these these stories, but they were a grind. He had to grind them out, and at the end he ended up writing two or three hundred of them. And he always wanted to get to his novels, and so he finally gets some money ahead. This Gerald never ever. Uh, got ahead of his money, even though he made incredible money. This is America's preeminent author. He never, ever lived in a home. Really? He always rented hotels, even as a boy, right? And and really, Gatsby begins there in St. Paul, Minnesota. Fitzgerald's uh, father lost his job. His mother was a McQuillan who inherited money, um, but not enough, really. And yet they lived among the rich on Summit Avenue. So he was always the poor boy looking in the keyhole to the rich. Right. And this is very much what will inform Gatsby. This and, and Fitzgerald's writing is all this way of being the outsider and and staring into this very privileged class. Now did he are there is there evidence of that in this in the storyline of the Great Gatsby? Because when you look at the elements or chapters of the book, you do see things like the American dream. You've got the um, the playmate. You've got the poor rich girls don't marry poor boys. Like you've got all of these sort of elements that you're talking about in his life that seem to start to jumping off the cliff. I mean, you start to see these um, evidence of this. The, the real life that you're talking about come into some of the shell structure of this book. Oh, very much. That's what I discovered is that really Gatsby is Fitzgerald's life. He is the American dream. He, he wanted Zelda badly. She would not marry him initially because he had no money. He goes to New York. He gets his book published. He goes back to Montgomery and asks her to marry him. She says, yes, and this is where you get that whole, you can't repeat the past, of course you can, old sport, which is in Gatsby, because Fitzgerald believes he can recreate this very intense romance he had with his wife. And, and, and he has become famous, and he has a certain amount of money. So now he is, he's basically, all this gets mirrored in Gatsby. So, so what happens to Fitzgerald when he goes to the Riviera? Well, Zelda, who's sort of a wild child, um, Fitzgerald's writing. She has to occupy herself. She she meets this uh, Edward Ojozan, this very handsome uh, aviator, and she starts spending time with him while Fitzgerald's writing, and she has an affair. Okay, this affair 
while Fitzgerald's writing, bangs into the novel because it, at one point the novel's going one way. Well, Zelda then confronts Fitzgerald and says, hey, I want a divorce. Mm-hmm. I want a divorce. And he says, no. No, you can't have a divorce. And in fact, he locks her in her room at this point. And this gets transmuted into the novel between Daisy and Gatsby. Right. Uh, this confrontation that occurs at the Palazzo Hotel, this famous confrontation where Gatsby is sort of unrobed, if you will, you know, Tom Buchanan says, you, you're nothing but a bootlegger. Right. You know, you have this money, but you'll, you're not like us, which is a huge theme in Gatsby, uh, this American concept that we can be anything we want. We can we can go from the working class up because Gatsby was a poor boy from Minnesota. You know, his farmer, he just created this persona, which is very American, right, is that you can create this other person. You can become somebody else. No social security numbers, no identity problems. If you want to be somebody else, you can be it. So really, you're right on. Fitzgerald's life is being transmuted into Gatsby. And also, Zelda is the living personification of a character for him. He created the flapper, and that's Zelda. So, but in this, um, I, you know, there's a couple of threads that I want to just touch on. Um, sure. this is, this, as you describe this, we've seen in many other shows and I've read in many other books, you know, infidelity as being one of those things that, you know, it happened, but we don't talk about it and you're going to love me in the street and, and nobody will know and, and put on the good game face, right? Fake it till you make it type scenario. Sure. We've seen that in other shows and at this time in life, you know, infidelity was still, I mean, clearly it was happening. I mean, it's been going on forever, but this is where it started to change into sort of the sexual revolution a little bit about people going out and getting theirs. And I just wanted to add the layer of the mobsters. You talked about the putting on the mask and becoming any character that you want to become. That's fundamentally what mobsters did. They basically were like, I'm going to be the tough guy. Watch me play the tough guy. And so this was really percolating in all aspects of life at this this very moment and it started to just all come together with alcohol at nighttime yeah well and you know you bring up alcohol again prohibition's interesting because it was supposed to stop people from drinking but what did it do before prohibition men got together with men and drank after work in a saloon after prohibition men and women went out to a speakeasy there was sex there was jazz it's the beginning of partying as we know it the upshot was People drank more than ever before. And as Fitzgerald said, it began the greatest party ever. Now, saying that, what your listeners probably don't know is that when The Great Gatsby came out, all right, this was Fitzgerald's big hope. He would be financially set from this, critically set. Gatsby crashed. 1925, it's published. The book just sales-wise crashes. Uh Reviews are mixed. A lot of reviewers went after them. Why? Well, first of all, it's a very short book. Second of all, it's tawdry. It's, there's murder. There's adultery. It's his bootlegger. Um, people didn't know what to make of it. And, you know, there was no major women characters, which were very big for readers. And so this book vanishes. In fact, by Christmas, you can't find it. So this, this does not pan out for Fitzgerald in any way. So when Fitzgerald dies in 1940, his last royalty check is for $5. And Gatsby ceases to exist. His obituaries, they don't even mention it. Uh, there's a couple of stacks of Gatsby in the Scribner warehouses. So the question is, how did this book come back? And that's a fascinating story because what happened is in World War II, they had what's called ASEs, 
and their armed services editions, little paperbacks they sent to all the GIs during World War II. Well, they sent 250,000 of these ASEs to the GIs. They, they read it, and then they come back to America at the end of the war, become teachers, journalists, librarians, and start to talk about this little book called The Great Gatsby, about this bootlegger on Long Island, and this guy Fitzgerald was a pretty good writer. That's how Gatsby starts to come back. Really? So it was actually yeah. an, an oops. Do you think it failed because uh, because he wrote from that small urban bubble that while it was very popular and most of the country, most of the continent was still the rural people that yes. wouldn't get the debauchery that was happening in the cities at nighttime? Absolutely. I mean, you hit it right on. He was writing ahead of his time. He was writing what we would know as mass culture, celebrity culture. Um, but you're right, it was teeny then. Also, also, he elevated his style. The reason you can't make Gatsby into a good movie is because his prose is so layered. It's so elegant. It's so packed up that it doesn't really transfer well. Well, he actually wrote above his readership. So these people are reading this and they're like, what, what is this? Yeah. This is... You know, I, I don't quite get this. And so time passes, and this little literary bobble that, by the way, this is during Hemingway's time. So Hemingway's just this monster author, and Fitzgerald is virtually forgotten. This little literary bobble starts to come out. And in the 40s and the 50s, there's a renaissance to the point today where it sold 50 million copies, 500,000 a year. So did that what did um did our education of the everybody start to catch up to where he was writing so people could actually understand the book and um did uh, well might as well ask the question did our level of comfort with just debauchery become normalized and we were like sure drunken sex at bars this all makes sense now Yeah I think I think those two things happen and also too we got enough distance where you know Fitzgerald froze this little tale and you know it's that famous line at the end so we beat on boats against the current born back ceaselessly into the past and what that means is this is that in america we are forever bewildered in this urban landscape we've created why because we came from this country of small towns democracy began in small towns all over america one reason democracy caught in america was because we were protected by those oceans well we're forever looking back over our shoulder at those small town values. So we beat on boats against cornback, boats against the current born back ceaselessly into the past. So as we, you know, reach further, we're always sort of haunted by what's past. And Fitzgerald nailed that. He nailed the underside of the American dream, which has this 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 sort of darkness that runs under it of getting the golden girl, of getting becoming rich and famous, you know. We see this all the time now played out in real time with celebrities and people where we're like, wow, they have everything. Why did they OD? You know, why did they, why did these bad things happen to them? Well, because, you know, it's a bit of a canard. It's, it's, it's a red herring. You, that's not really the answer to happiness. So he, he saw that in the American dream in this urban landscape of this early urban landscape from New York. Because it was happening to him that he saw yes. that it was unfold, like it was unraveling it, it right in front of him. Exactly. Yeah. He, he, he wrote in real time. It happened him because after Gatsby, his marriage was over. Yeah. After 1925, Zelda didn't leave him, but you know, she had no life after that. 
Uh, she had a nervous breakdown in 1930. She was inst institutionalized all the way up to her death after that. He had to go to Hollywood to write for a while. Again, he was drinking. And when, again, he, he died in, he was 44. Mm -hmm. He died in 1940. And, and the obituaries didn't even mention that's amazing. Gatsby. Well, they didn't even mention him. Do we, like, do we see that this is, um, you know, how this unfolds in his life. I mean, it, it was unraveling in front of him. And it the way you describe it with making a bunch of money, it almost seems like it didn't matter what you did. Um, call it maybe a metaphor for America, a metaphor for capitalism. You could do whatever you want. There was never enough money. There was always human nature. It didn't matter what you did. There was more to what was going on than just dollars and status that maybe it led into the fact that, you know, the humanity part, still needs to be there or else it all unravels anyway. Was that evident? Absolutely. I mean, um, what Fitzgerald nailed was that the American dream is, is not just a monetary dream, although many times it's it's thrown that way. It's only a cultural dream. It's being able to have time with your kids, have a, a, a happy life, have a, a little bit of leisure time, have you know some pleasure in your work. It's really more of a cultural dream but but it's been sold to people as a materialistic dream mm -hmm. and Fitzgerald was on to this because this is what he went after this is you know he did become rich and famous he did get the golden girl but he lost it all too and as did Gatsby you know there's a scene when Gatsby is shot by um, Myrtle Wilson's husband and he dies in his pool and there's a great line in Gatsby where he says Gatsby must have that moment looked up and realized how grotesque a rose is or how grotesque the light is on the water because he had lost the dream that gives color to life. He lost illusion, if you will. And, and this is what also Fitzgerald lost. So, so it's very much about this, you know, losing that luster uh, to life, you know, and then, and then seeing, seeing what it was. So again, it's, it's a very bittersweet tale but it nails the American dream. And by the way, Fitzgerald, in the last year of his life, went looking for his book in bookstores with a woman named Sheila Graham. And nobody had it. And, and he said, do you have any demand for this F. Scott Fitzgerald? And they're like, no, wow. not at all. Well, you said something that really stays with me, William. The book is called Writing Gatsby. William Hazelgrove is our guest, a friend of the shift. I do love our conversations. And here's where you've inspired me in this. You said that he lost the illusion and yet um, such tragedy in perhaps just finding the truth. Yes, absolutely. That's absolutely true. I love yeah, it. I mean, yeah, that's, and that's, and that's really what, that's really what Gatsby is all about. And when you, you strip it down and, you know, when you see, if your listeners see the movie, see the 2013 film, that's the better one, but that's really what it is. Thanks for the being here. Appreciate absolutely. it. Absolutely. Thanks. All right. Thank you for having me. Take care, brother. We'll talk to you soon.